EMZT Radio is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audio download and a free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash EMZT. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to another episode of EMZT Radio. I'm Bane Hellborn with my partner, the infamous MJ. Oh my god. Thank you. What? I have no idea. I, are you awake now? I'm here. I know you're here. <laughs> that was that was a question of the audience. Are you awake now? Oh, are you awake? Yeah. Wake up! Yeah, does it sound okay. like a... Okay. okay, starting off. Lynn Shay joins new reimagining of The Grudge. Uh, yes. Once again, The Grudge is being redone uh, uh, by let's see Lynn Shea has been called the godmother of horror that's interesting uh, do we have to have another one though do we have to have another grudge remake it's uh, they're calling it a reimagining so they're somehow oh, changing re-imagining. changing the story a little bit yeah Oh my so, god, yeah. it's a reimagining. Oh. The Grudge is up for a reboot. It's a again. goddamn remake. Just yeah, say remake. Again. Quit, quit fucking with me and just say remake. I, I'm yeah. so sick and damn tired of It's a reimagined version. What could it yeah. possibly be? Yeah, it's, What could it yeah. possibly be reimagined? Oh, she's not in the shower this time. She jumps out the toilet. <laughs> Uh, so there's no uh, definite word on uh, what what it's going to be and who's involved, but yeah. she's on board now. You so cannot, <laughs> you cannot see. Uh, I wish this was on video so people could see how hard my eyes were rolling at the moment. <laughs> Believe me, they're rolling very hard. <laughs> uh, how about this? Happy Death Day to you. Release date moved due to the anniversary of the Parkland shooting. Uh, one of the fathers of uh, a girl that was shot and killed at Parkland made a stink all over all over social media about oh, it. So uh, number one, they moved the the uh, release to February thirteenth because the anniversary is on the fourteenth. And it's not being shown in Parkland at all. Oh, good. Screw <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Yeah. I'll go see it. Yeah. I don't care. So, I'll go see it. So, you know what? Nah, 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 yeah. Nah, nah. And plus, it's, it was all set for Valentine's. Yeah, it's, a, it's almost like a Valentine's yeah. Day themed happy death yeah. day anyways. Yeah. It is. On you. So there's that. So Parkland, you're not getting it. So relax. Yeah. <laughs> Kiss it. And number three, I don't know how you feel about... Remember the 1990s with the witches? The witches? Remember, remember with remember... An- Angelica Houston? Yeah, I remember the witches now, yeah. Well, guess what? It's getting a reboot too! <laughs> Robert Zemeckis has signed on to do it. And Please who's going to be the Grand High Witch this Please time? stop with the remake. <laughs> Anne Hathaway stop. is going to be the Grand High Witch. <laughs> oh, please stop. Please stop. I know. Remake. 
weeks. Okay. And then there was also a like a um, a footnote that Ruol Dahl, the writer of the story, uh-huh. ab- absolutely hated the movie. Yes, hated well, it. Okay, he hated. Good for him. He he um, hated the original movie. So I'm I'm glad he hated it. Yeah. Good for him. So Robert Zemeckis, it looks like he's going to try to make it closer to the book. It's uh, going to be set okay. In, okay. in the '60s, and then, uh, then you know what? That's yeah. acceptable. If you're going to get, if you're going to do it, and it's going to be closer to the book, I that's hope. acceptable. I hope. I hope that's yeah. what it's going to be. But, but I, yeah, I, they're I, giving that a try. So, but you know what? That's that's my news. <laughs> I have non-remake news. Non-remake. I actually news. have new content. Coming to HBO. Oh, tell us all about it. Yes, that's right. HBO will answer the challenge of Amazon Prime and will release Folklore. This will be mm-hmm. on HBO Now, HBO Go, HBO On Demand. And you basically, if you have some kind of access to HBO, you will be able to see this. All six episodes take place across multiple Asian countries, including Indonesia, Japan, Korea, Malaysia, Singapore, and, of course, our favorite little getaway of Thailand. Um, <laughs> well, well, my favorite little getaway of Thailand. Um, <laughs> each episode is based on each country's deeply rooted superstitions and myths, and presented in the local language of the country that episode is based in, yes, there will be subtitles. Okay, good. Yeah, there, there'll be subtitles. So, there we go, kids. We've got new stuff coming out in the big boys. But, I have one bit of video game news, and then I have the greatest news of all time. Okay. Retro-inspired pixel horror title Faith will have a sequel. Oh. And it's coming out next month. It's called... Are you ready for this? Are you sitting down for this shocking title? (laughs) Faith, Chapter 2. The main influences... So original. Yes. The main influences... For Airdorf's satanic series are clear to see. Uh, <coughs> the Exorcist! <coughs> the Exorcist! Um, and it's looking suitably creepy with such a simplistic visual style. Now, if the trailer doesn't give you a hint, here's basically the the plot of the, of the game. You're going back to September 21st, 1986. Two priests arrive at the Martin family home in rural Connecticut to investigate an apparent case of demonic possession. Where the fuck have I heard that before? Only Constantine? Two pe- yeah. <laughs> Only two people will leave the house alive. After confronting unspeakable dark entities and narrowly escaping with his life, a young priest descends into a new nightmare! Whoa. Actually, you know what, though? Seriously. It doesn't sound bad. It sounds awesome, and I will yeah. I will be purchasing this game. I okay. hope it's on Xbox. I'm sure it will be. So, uh, I mean, if, even if it's on on the computer, I have you know I have a decent computer that can play it. But um, I'll have to send you the link to the bloody disgusting article because you have to see this. It'll be in the show notes. 
And we'll also have the trailer on Trailer Thursdays, which by the time this podcast comes out, that was last Thursday. So just look on our Facebook page <laughs> if you want to see the trailer. Yeah. Um, it looks beautiful, and some of the demons that you see are just mind-boggling creepy for 8-bit. Nice. Nice. Yes. And nice. now, the greatest news of okay. all time. Waiting. The Salem Horror Fest has made an announcement. An earth-shattering, beautiful, everything is wonderful, everything is sunshine and rainbows. I am just so, oh my, I, 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 I will walk to Salem, Massachusetts to go to this. Wednesday, October the 9th. Mark it on your calendars. Mark it in blood on your calendars. <laughs> Don't even bother with the pain. Prick your finger. Cut whatever you got to. Yes, I'm advocating self-harm right now. <laughs> but for a good cause. Write it in blood. The Pope of Trash is coming to Salem. October the 9th. My God. My muse. My whole religion John Waters oh. is going to be at the Salem <laughs> please don't oh put out a restraining God. order against me John uh, no he just wants a selfie the... yes that's all I'll give him a selfie I'll give him more than a selfie um, <laughs> yes John Waters will be at Salem Horror Fest this year October the 9th now tickets begin at $49. But you have to get them before March 20th if you want the $49 deal. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's $60 after March 20th. Um, a VIP tickets, $199. Obviously, you have to pay fees with this. So, you know, it's not yeah. just $199. Be prepared. Taxes, Taxes, Taxes and fees, yeah. Well, yeah. But get this. With your $199 premium seating... You get a meet and greet photo, which means you get a signed 8x10 and a personalized signed copy of his new book, Mr. Know-It-All, The Tarnished Wisdom of a Filth Elder. So the ticket price pays for a copy of his book, too? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, that's worth $200 right there is, is, his, is a signed copy of his book. I mean, this yeah. is this is like a Bible for for many of us filth addicts. <laughs> I love me some John Waters, man. I love <laughs> those me were some the John days. Waters. Yeah. So, um, did you hear, by the way, mm-hmm. that Dario Argento is out speaking on the new Suspiria? Yeah, I saw that. He's not he thrilled. Is not a fan. Not a fan. He is not happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it and and I kind of feel this way too. Although I liked it, I loved the soundtrack. Don't get me wrong. I loved the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked the new Suspiria, but I agree with with Dario on this that it did not excite me. It it betrayed the spirit of the original film. There is no fear. There is no music. The film has not satisfied me much. Hmm. I haven't seen it yet. Argento added that Suspiria, however, is a refined film and that the director, who I am not going to try to hack his name, 
uh, is a fine person. Okay. So there you go. And no, we do not have to talk about um, Ghostbusters news. We're, no, we're actually we're not we're not going to feed into that mob. Okay, we're, nope. we're not feeding into that mob. Um, nope. But if you want to read the comments, go ahead and read the comments. We're not going to sit here and go, "Oh my God, Leslie Jones clapping back." No, we're, we're no, no. Sorry, kids, we we don't do that here. We're we're not we're not um, we're not those kinds of people. I because I don't really have an opinion on it. I think I. Yeah, I don't I, either. No, I I don't have an opinion on it. I don't either. I want to say something, but it, it's not right. No. And no. To be honest with you, well, all right, I'll go ahead and say what I got to say about. It. <laughs> I, I, I want to say she's a little bitter. Hmm. But okay. I, but there is a there's a part of me that kind of understands where she's coming from. But there's another part of me and a bigger part of me that says she's just mad that nobody liked their their version of Ghostbusters. And to be perfectly blunt with you, there's only one person you need to blame for that, Leslie, and it's probably the bane of our existence on this podcast, Paul Feig. Yeah. Okay, that's all we're gonna say on that. Yeah, he's the one who fucked it all. Sorry. Yes. He did. He did. Yes. So I, I just I just wanted to bring that up because uh, I don't yeah. know. I officially we don't have an opinion on it. No. No. Okay. No. So please no. don't get me wrong. I am not. I'm not crapping on her, but at the same time, uh, I can kind of. Yeah. But she's wrong. She's she's mad at the wrong. Person, she is. She's mad at the wrong people, and I think she, you know, Feig to me, Feig sabotaged Ghostbusters with his. Well, if you don't like this, you hate women. Yeah, Um, yeah. If he had just shut his fucking mouth, yeah, uh, about things like that, he's the one. He's the one who fucked their whole campaign. Yeah, and and to be honest, all right, I'm going to say this right now. I think Leslie Jones is an okay actress. Yes. Okay? I think she's funny. I She has her moments where she's funny. I think Melissa McCarthy has moments where she's funny. It's just mm-hmm. the problem is it was too much of trying to force... I felt like I was watching an Amy Schumer movie. Oh, yeah. To be blunt, to be blunt, I felt like I was watching an Amy Schumer movie. And I was I was literally sitting there waiting for thirty my vagina jokes. <laughs> oh, oh I, I do my vagina jokes because men talk about their dicks all the time. Well, not really. I I don't know that many comics that talk about their dick. Male <laughs> comics that talk about their dick. <laughs> you know, you think you think it's you know you are you 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 uh, 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 person blondie I forgot her name now uh are the female louis ck uh-huh and that's definitely something i don't want to get into is louis ck <laughs> nope I think, I, I think he's a piece of shit but i've uh... thought that for years anyways <laughs> no i'm not trying to get into it i'm just i'm just that has been my opinion since i was like 19 years old that louis ck is a piece of shit eh. okay i mean i'm he I'm, was, I'm not yeah. a fan i'm not a yeah. fan when when you know you're talking about raping dead babies and you're oh, you geez. know you know 
way before all this shit hit the fan. Anyways, moving on, I got one more for you. That okay, and I know Sarah's probably listening to this podcast, and so is Jasmine. Uh, ladies, uh, prepare a room for us, please. <laughs> <laughs> we we will all be going to this. Okay, film festival in Sweden is offering screenings of an apocalyptic film you have to watch inside a coffin. My dream, my dream has come true. Watching a movie inside a coffin. Now, is it an individual coffin or is it one big enough for a few people? Or what are we talking about? This is uh, an individual uh, individual coffin. Okay. Via THR. The Hollywood Reporter, that is, for those of you mm-hmm. not in the know of the shorthand. The mm-hmm. Gothenburg Film Festival in Sweden. So we have to go on the other side of the country from, from our friends, bitches of horror. Mm-hmm. Beginning January 27th, we'll be offering up 33 sarcophagus screenings of Aniara, a Swedish-language apocalyptic sci-fi film. Wow. The site details these are highly unusual screenings wherein eight volunteers at a time will be shut into specially made caskets outfitted with screens speakers and obviously air vents so no you're not going to get buried alive right <laughs> sorry yes Pella Kegerman and Hugo Leja uh, directed Ariana wherein a spaceship carrying settlers to Mars is knocked off course causing the consumption of obsessed passengers to consider their place in the universe. And there is a trailer for this that you can find on our Facebook page because it was part of Trailer Thursday. Wow. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So, Aniara. Actually, I kind of want to see the movie just based on what it is. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But, I mean, the coffin thing. Eight coffins... At a time. Eight coffins at a time showing the movie. Yeah. I have an idea for a home theater now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I am so... If I ever... If I ever... If EMZT ever gets it to where we're, you know, making, you know, $10 million a year. <laughs> um, yeah, my... that That's exactly how my horror viewing room is going to be. You You'll be in a coffin. In a coffin. Watching horror movies in a coffin. That is that is a life's dream of mine. Sounds nice. Yes. Aww. Yes, it is. It's a life's dream of mine. But anyways. <laughs> um, we have a guest this week, don't we? Oh, yes. We we have an interview and a guest this week. Woo, yeah. We, yes. A, for you, a fella Arizonian. Is that what they call you guys? Arizonians? Arizonans. Mm-hmm. Yep. A fellow Arizonian, Ian Messenger, is going to pop up and say hello. Yeah. Talk about some of his future and past projects. So we'll talk to him. Uh, what else are we doing today? Uh, uh, probably going fishing. <laughs> I don't know. No, we have uh, we have more music from the Dead Air soundtrack. That is true. We we I, have been, yeah. and we want to thank those people. We, we, yes, Jeff Armour. Uh, thank you very much. And Jeff is is an awesome dude because yeah. um, now I didn't get the the perk with the soundtrack. I went a, a level lower. You got the perk with the soundtrack. 
yes. had a little bit of an issue and Jeff personally took care of it. Yes, yes, he did. It so, was it was so, very, very nice. So awesome news that you got your soundtrack and Jeff is a hell of a guy and we're gonna give him all the credit in the world. So thank you very much, Jeff. And Ian Messenger, a little bit later on EMZT, let's let's spin some records. Thank you. 
Chronic, a new miniseries on chronic pain and illness by your friends Matt and Phil from Semi-Intellectual Musings. We go beyond medical diagnosis to explore the often forgotten political, social, and personal sides. You'll hear stories from extraordinary people overcoming extraordinary challenges. Authors, entrepreneurs, volunteers, coaches, and caregivers. They are so much more than their diagnoses, yet each have found ways to persevere. You'll also hear some familiar voices from the indie podcast community. Showing that art, creativity, and passion are possible while living in chronicity. These stories and more starting April 1st at thesim.podbean.com. EMZT Radio is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash EMZT. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of EMZT Radio Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. That's audibletrial.com slash EMZT. This is Luke and Wolf, and you're tuned in to the delightful darkness of EMZT Radio. From Instagram, posted by Mr. Terror. In Corona, California, there once was a road known by most locals as the never-ending road. Specifically, the road's true name was Lester Road. Now, over 20 years later, the landscape of Corona has changed and the never-ending road is no more. However, years ago, Lester Road was an unlit road that people claimed became a never-ending road when driven at night. The people who made such a drive were never seen or heard from again. The legend became so well known that people refused to even drive Lester Road during the day. One night, like many teens my age, I drove up Lester Road, but only a short distance, and in my headlights it did look like it went on forever. Frightened, I quickly turned around because if I continued up the road I thought I might never return again. Perpetuation of the legend convinced the local law enforcement to investigate. Lester Road took a sharp left turn at its end, and there were no guardrails. Beyond the curve lay a canyon, and on the other side of the canyon was another road that lined up so well with Lester Road that when viewed from the correct angle, especially at night, the canyon vanished from sight, and the road seemed to continue on, up, and over the hill on the other side of the canyon. Upon investigation of the canyon, dozens of cars were found, fallen to their doom, with the decomposing bodies of the victims still strapped to their seats.
you know, you're like a penguin on the North Pole. Here's the South Pole. It's really nice this time of year. There are no penguins on the North Pole. You want to feel how hard I can punch? Hey, everyone. This is Beaumont Bob from Bungus Bobcat. You can listen to me live every Monday night at 10 p.m. Eastern at sfdradio.com, where I'm bringing you the best of the worst in cheap booze, talking bum wine, beers, 40s, malt liquor, and more. Always featuring the latest and greatest in the world of drinking and entertainment, along with some special guests. So come on down and take a ride with Bum Wine Bob. If you can't be there live, you can always listen in the archives at bumwinebob.com. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, and enjoy. Cheers. The show that puts the story back into history. History is all about discovering the why. And I think that in that process, it's important to never take the story out of history. Making history come alive, one episode at a time. But this is a podcast on the American Revolution for this series and uh, all about a free country, so do whatever the hell you want. Visit themondayamerican.com to get more. Dive into the Monday American. Don't worry, we'll be gentle. <laughs> that you did not What sweet music I might. Keep calm and don't go swimming. Don't have sex. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't go out. Don't split up. Don't run from the killer. If you trip, get up and run. And above all, turn on the stupid light before entering any room. Unless you do want to die. Just some friendly tips to save your life in a horror movie. From your friends at EMZT Radio. And we're back. And we're back. And, and today we have Ian Messenger from Catch Me, Kill Me Productions. Hello, Ian. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hey. Thanks for being here. I hear we're in the same state. Well, if you're in Arizona, then we're in the same state. Yes, I'm in Arizona, too. <laughs> and I've been here the majority of my life, like uh, 30 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was raised here. Yes. Which I can say almost oh, over 40. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually older than I sound. Hmm. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a first. I'm not, I've never heard that before. <laughs> so, Ian, uh, what are we talking about yeah. today? Fireside Tales? Yeah, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, I've got a, a lot of home in my resume, so i got a lot of things coming up. So I'm, oh. I'm an open book. Yep. Okay, we can start well, there if you want. Well, I was going to say, because I haven't seen it, but I saw the trailer, and it's coming soon to Amazon, I saw. And... Yeah, well, I, um, there's there's something kind of in the pipe. I'll talk about it yet, so okay. it may not hit Amazon, So, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Uh, so what do you have coming up that you can talk about? Well, um, so we did Fireside Tales a couple years back, uh, uh, 2015, 2000, and then uh, that was uh, our first real feature. Um, and then we followed that with Monkey Farm, and we went on to do uh, Legacy, uh, which is, to my knowledge, the highest viewed Friday the 13th fan film on YouTube right now. And, yes. And, yeah. And then we to um, start working on Fireside Tales too, and that's currently uh, what what I'm in production on. Oh yeah, I watched uh, your Friday the Thirteenth Revenant last night. That was 
really cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Revenant goes right into uh, Friday the 13th Legacy, and when you watch the two movies together, it makes sense. Uh, but Friday the 13th Legacy right now sits at 9.1 million views. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I don't know how it happened. Uh, it, I mean, like, people watched it all the time, and it went out pretty well. A couple hundred views here and there uh, every week. And then it started again um, overseas, it looked like. And it was, at that point, it's thousands of views a day. And then it got to the point where it's doing 100,000 views a day. And no. it just blew up. Yeah, you, so, you, did, you did very well with it. I was just amazed. It, and it even felt like a, a gritty 80s. It, it felt like the original 80s Friday the 13th style. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That was always the goal. I've always wanted to do a thirteenth uh, movie. Uh, years ago, when I first started making movies, uh, my my brother called me up and he's like, "Hey, he's like, I got a weird story to tell you. Uh, I might have a brain tumor. I don't know." And he's like, "I woke up this morning thinking, man, Ian, you were really good in Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, Jason takes Manhattan." And then he's like, "Oh wait, you weren't in that." And it's all like, "I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to be. I'm gonna have to make a Jason movie one day." So I made two. And uh, both are pretty pretty well received, but Legacy blew up, uh, blew up huge. Uh, Revenant is, is was very much a passion project. Came first, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a, a little more fun with Revenant. Uh, the eighties uh, rain and the the blitz in the film and the cigarette burns. Uh, but yeah, no, I had a lot of fun with both those. So, uh, was it like a camera <laughs> setting to get that style of uh, filming? No, or it's was a. It- it's a filter, yeah, which okay. is, I know that's not as cool, it's, oh, it's just a filter, but yeah, it's just a filter. I was talking to my uh, buddy and editor at the time, uh, still friends, uh, he's just, you know, real life takes over, so he's, he's not editing for sure, uh, but I talked to him and I was like, hey, is there a way we can make this look like uh, you found this in like somebody's wet basement on a VHS tape? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he sent me uh, one of the trailers, and I think it's the one where uh, Elias Voorhees uh, takes, the, takes the sling off and the moon's behind him. And he sent that to me, and I was like, oh, my God, this is it. And we, we did Revenant just like that, and I, uh, I showed it to a bunch of people, and the, 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 the true, you know, the true blue horror fan that, and uh, I showed it to my dad, and he's like, um, yeah, I lived through the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, and uh, I really like uh, that there's none of that grain on anything I watch today, so don't do that again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. He's like, yeah, I grew up with that, don't like it. Please don't make your movies grainy. And I was like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. No, that actually made it awesome. (laughs) That's what made it awesome. I felt like I was watching an original Friday the 13th film. It was, it was great. I loved it. Yeah, that was, that was, that was just one of the really, really uh, make people feel back like, you know, they they were a kid on a a Saturday night in the 80s and, you know, maybe... Maybe early nineties. Uh, is hosting Monster Vision. You're watching that. And I, that's what I was going for, and I, the horror community, really liked it. So, and that, that's that's what's important. Definitely, you did great with it. Great idea. Keep keep it up. I'd say keep doing that. Do this more as a series, and uh, yeah, people are gonna love it. Yeah, yeah there's there's a for a, a project right now. Um, as we finish Fireside Tales two, you know, uh, on the independent level, you always have to be working, and so I'm kind of processing my next thought on what's coming next and uh we're gonna do something similar for um the, the next uh feature film uh, after fireside tales too not quite the 80s grain something you haven't seen in a while and i i think people are gonna get a big kick out of it okay so um okay so fireside tales too how many tales are yeah, in this fireside one tales, yeah. how many tales are in the uh, new one right now we have one filmed one's completely shot and we have oh uh, let's see uh 
three of them written. So right now we're sitting at four, and if I get inspired, I might add. We'll see. We'll see. The, the wraparound story is going to be pretty cool in this one. Uh, last time we did it uh, with a bunch of kids. Said kids. They were all like in their 20s. I don't know why I said kids. but Kids. But I, I horror movie. They're supposed to be teenagers. Yeah, they're kids. Uh, <laughs> but it's a bunch of kids sitting around fire telling stories. And with this one, we're actually kind of doing something a little different. And the devil is going to be there. And you're going to oh. enter the devil's curio shop. And he's going to pull out one of these uh, curiosities. And each curiosity ties into one of the stories we see in, in the movie. Um, so that's going to be really fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like the idea. Hey. We, uh, it was, just, you know, I was thinking about, I know it's not technically a fireside tale at that point, but you know, you gotta, you gotta change it up a little bit. So, uh, where do you get your ideas for these tales? Uh, um, in my head. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, I'll, you know, I'll be driving to work or something, uh, the, the day job thing and, or I'll, I'll watch a movie and something in the movie will trigger something in me and I'll go, Oh man. And I'll think about it and I'll think about it on the drive to work. It, it, it depends. Uh, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, my dad, he would tell me, uh, scary stories. Um, and then my brother would tell me scary stories and they've always just been kind of been there. And I would always think about, Oh, how to, how to make that story better or how to tell it in a different way. So it's just, I'm basically thinking about monsters. Uh, long story short, quick answer, I'm always thinking about monsters. <laughs> and uh, I was going to say, Arizona has some interesting stories, too, that you can draw from. <laughs> yeah, we have, like, uh, the... like you did Monkey Farm. Monkey Farm was actually done here. <laughs> yeah, the story, actually. Uh, here yeah. in Arizona, which is super, super weird when you look into it. And then when I started uh, production on Monkey Farm, all of these news articles about and uh, TV spots on the West Mesa Monkey Farm. And it was really weird because I don't know if somebody at the news station had seen, you know, the, the production stills or something that got interested. But right when I started making it, there was a lot of news on it. And, <laughs> and it, it was weird. You know, the, uh, if you check the... the uh, County recorder, I think. If you check with them, uh, the property is abandoned. But if you're there, um, it clearly has primates in it still. Like you can see them from a distance, and uh, there's, there's always uh, vehicles entering, exiting the property. But it's it's registered as an abandonment. So who knows? <laughs> who knows wow. for sure? I I took a guess with what's going on inside with Monkey Farm, and uh, I I think I think it's a good guess. Yeah, I really loved it. So you oh. did great. <laughs> good I'm, I'm, thank you very much it was it was it was fun um we you know i started writing it came up came up with the idea i saw an article on it and i was like "Ooh, what if it's like this and we're writing it and my producer uh tim Fadig, he he's talking to me at lunch one day and he's like so who's gonna be the monkey and i was like uh you know i don't really know and he's like you're gonna be the monkey and i was like oh because you know, i'm kind of like a i'm kind of like a silverback gorilla um a lot of gym time a lot of gym time like five foot ten which is basically a midget uh nowadays um yeah yeah uh, it made me it made me kind of kind of squat and and thick enough for it and it was, it was fun. i got in contact with immortal masks out of uh, california and they're always fun to work with uh the majority of uh, my my friends and them actually and i asked them you know what we could do and they uh Gave me an idea for the chest piece and the hands, and they they already have an, uh, an ask made, so they did it up, and it was, it was really fun. Um, but you know, silicone or not, uh, it gets hot, it, especially filming in Arizona. You know, the the beginning of summertime, I was in that suit, and it was nighttime, and I, we were filming uh, the scene. Uh, well, I don't want to give spoilers. Death scene in uh, in the uh, underpass, and I 
we're out there for maybe maybe an hour, not not too long, and we get done. I, I lean over at the waist, and water begins to pour out of the, ma- the mouth. And somebody goes, <laughs> oh, oh no, are you puking? And I was like, no. I'm, and they're like, that is a lot of sweat. And I was like, well, if you want to wear this, we can trade at any point because that yeah. But it was like a a river of a river of sweat just came. Oh, I believe it. Was it was something. <laughs> Oh, that must have been unbearable. <laughs> uh, it, it had its moments. I, I personally, uh, I don't mind uh, being um, in, a, in a monster suit. You know, I, I work with a, a lot of independent actors, and on the independent level, it's very hard to uh, it's very hard to do do your stunts and do things like that uh, properly on time. And so, basically, what my rule of thumb is is I will never ask you to do something that I myself will not do. Um, when we're filming Fireside Tales, there's a monster reveal where one of the monsters uh, comes out of uh, of a lake. And originally, uh-huh. it was another actor. And the day before filming, he was like, oh, "I can't do it." And I was like, oh, "Okay." So uh, he's a little taller than I am, but I was like, "I'll just, I'll just take over." Mm-hmm. So uh, I ended up on a pair of coveralls and the, and the, the button-up shirt and the, the silicone mask, and basically go ahead and just picture something out of Hills Have Eyes. And I went through the lake and I fully submerged myself. But because of the silicone mask and the uh, coveralls, it ended up uh, making me really buoyant. And it pulled me right back up to the top. <laughs> so I had to go back out. And I was talking to my cameraman. I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. And he's like, well, I have sandbags to hold down the tripod uh, for still shots. Uh-huh. Do you want your sandbags? Uh-huh. And I was like, sure. So I, I take two of these 10-pound sandbags in my in one of my hands. And I walked back out, and I, I stayed submerged, and we ended up doing that shot, oh, I think five, four or five times. Four or five oh, times. Geez. Yeah, and, wow. and it was uh, it was something. You know, I didn't have a, a oxygen tank or a respirator or anything with me. It was literally just me holding my breath as I got underwater and counting out in my head to when I think he was, uh, to when I thought he was filming, and I would... I'd come back out and uh, he didn't, I, I remember one time he just like, like oh, the shop. And he's like, but it was the water created uh, too many waves. So go back and do it again. But this <sighs> was, you, you know, you're from, you're from Arizona seal. Um, it was early March when we were filming that. And oh, so uh, it was still super cold and that water was absolutely freezing. Yes. No, uh, just fun. But it was the last thing we filmed that day. So it wasn't terrible. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was all right. It was fun though. But yeah, I, I'd never ask an actor to do something I wouldn't, I myself wouldn't do. So I, I do my best to get in the monster suit once or twice, or, you know, recently to one I'm filming, uh, Jason and Elias Voorhees in Revenant and, uh, <clears throat> and Legacy. I actually was the stun Elias Voorhees. I wasn't the unmasked Elias Voorhees, but I did the stunts for that. And uh, in Legacy, uh, the, the one with all the views, the, the big view count, um, I was uh, Sarah Schultz uh, goes by Jessica Stabbett, real big uh, mm-hmm. in the Mad Monster scene. I think she's Miss Mad Monster 2017. Mm-hmm. Right. I was with her, and it was her first uh, okay. role, uh, like not music video, but like film role. And we had uh, <clears throat> ordered prop two by fours, and they didn't come in. And so we got on set, and I was uh, talking to a couple of the actors, and uh, Mark Justice was one of them. And I, I said, Mark, what do you what do you think we should do? He's like, well, I saw prop fours laying over here. And he goes, because uh, he was the one I was supposed to use it on. He's like, so just use that and we'll figure out a way to make it look like, you know, you're really getting me. So we, you know, movie magic it. I uh, didn't actually hit him with a two by four, but now here's the problem. Um, Sarah had to hit me with a two by four. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, same two by four. And I was like, okay. So me and her husband, Josh Schultz, uh, the wicked one, uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's his rap name. He's a, uh, he's big, uh, uh, I think it's horror core. 
I don't listen to right. music a lot, but I think he's a hardcore <laughs> rapper. Uh, he's, he's pretty big on that Mad Monster scene too. But they were they were there. Mark was there. Uh, Tim Christie uh, plays Tommy Jarvis in the movie, and we were all discussing how we're going to do this. So finally, it just came down to it, and I was like, "Well, we did it, I think, four times, and she she wasn't uh, umph to make it look real." And we, I was like, "All right, just you know, a little more power, a little more fast, and I think we'll get it." And she does it, does a read, and fifth time she hits, and we're almost there. And I was like, "Okay, cool." And they're like, "One more." My cameraman, <laughs> like, right oh, no. uh, he tells me, he tells me, let's get a one more safety. I said, sure. So sixth time safety, bang, she hits it. It, it looks good. Uh, you know, it sounds good. And we're like, all right, cool. We go to film the next part. And he goes, you know what would be really? So what's that? And he goes, if you guys did that and then you didn't react, like she hits you as hard as she can with it, you know, and you just you know, sell it. And I'm so a seventh time. And he's like, yeah, just one more and just do your best not to sell it. And I was like, okay, sure. So, and this is the take of the movie. <laughs> she wallops me with this, this two by four. And she actually hits me so hard in, in the mask and the, the, the hood that you watch the board splinter on impact. And it like, <sighs> like pieces of wood spray off of it. I wish, I wish this was like a, a movie thing. I wish it was movie magic. No, it was a two by four. It was her really hitting me with it. Uh, and it, I felt fine. You know, I was good. Uh, that was our last day of filming. Uh, looked great. Got the rest of us. Go home. It's an hour and a half drive home. Two hour drive, or maybe it's two hours. And I get home, sit down on the couch, put my arms up to rest. And all of a sudden, so, so suddenly, my neck hurts so bad. Oh. I was like, huh, maybe, maybe we just wait for the prop two by four next time. And still, still to I got that prop two by four. And we filmed that in uh, 2000 and late 2017. Still, oh. still have two by four. So how long did you have a bruise? <laughs> no bruising. Uh, no bruising. My neck was sore for a couple days. Uh, didn't really affect life or anything. Uh, it, the instant my arms went up, I thought to myself, ah, you could have gone with that sixth fake. The, the, that was it. That was the worst part of it. Neck was a little sore. Arms went up. And I was like, mm, you should have started fake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, Matt, your turn. Uh, oh, is it? Is it my turn? Okay. It's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, 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 is... I kicked you off. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> As 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 a small uh, uh, filmmaker, though, like, what are some of the problems you face when when you're doing your your shoots? Are there things you wanted to do that you couldn't because of the budget, or oh well, so uh, living in Arizona, you're you're allotted a lot of weird uh, areas to film uh, right out of the gate. And people, it's easy to get in contact with former landowners or current landowners, and just being able to film out there. Um, uh, what my first feature film, which I will never ever talk about again because it's an abomination against God. Um, <laughs> we, I wanted to do this shot of uh, Dracula, and I wanted to be the, the young, you know, Vlad the Impaler, long hair and a suit of armor, and I wanted him to be uh, in the foreground of a shot with a castle background. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Vail, Arizona, um, there is a castle that a man built. It's called the Aqua Verde Castle, and but you can't go up to the and that's fine because. It's got a bunch of mountains and hills around it. So me and my actor went out and we, we filmed that. And it was great. Uh, great. Show. Well, the wind was blowing his fake long hair. I uh, had the cast in the background. And we lost the footage. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, we had an editor, uh, editor up in Phoenix work on it. And he deleted it. And he, he deleted it completely. And he said, well, I don't, I don't really connect uh, with the story. And I was like, I... <laughs> you didn't think it was necessary, so you just completely believed it. That's cool. Oh. So, uh, being so small is that you know you have to sometimes outsource uh, your your 
production and because not everyone knows how to do everything. So you got to find somebody in Phoenix or Los Angeles and they may have a different interpretation of what you want. And you know, when you send them the script and you'll, and I mean, that's, it's a little unprofessional to delete something for some, from somebody's movie and be like, yeah, it's gone forever now. I, I didn't like it, even though you're the, the writer, director. Uh, I'd be pissed. Having to outsource. Oh, I, I was, didn't work with them ever again after that. Uh, and I, in my opinion, the movie suffered quite a bit from, um, but, but yeah, it's, uh, having to outsource, having to find actors, having to find, uh, Luckily enough, I my day job is I am uh, quieter at the OK Corral, uh, but Woo! all of us are involved with film. And one of my coworkers is really he's in love with uh, filming. Like he's always buying cameras and new equipment. So like I'm I'm so lucky to have people like around that know how to do these things. But it's got to the point where now I am uh, writing, I'm directing, um, I am producing, and I am editing. Hmm. And, uh, oh, man, I mean, the first one that. I will have. Uh, oh yeah, the the first one I'll have 100% edited uh, is going to be um, Fireside Tales too. That's uh, just because you know uh, you'll work with somebody else, and and sometimes it just it doesn't work. Their time frame is too long, or you know, it's there's just a lot of problems. So I just gonna Robert Rodriguez is it, and you know, put put on all the hats, just do it, do it all. Um, that uh, financing is always I think that's just in horror. I don't think that's independent horror. I think. That's just hard. I'll listen to uh, Adam Green and Joe Lynch on uh, the movie Crypt. They uh, guys finding financing, them finding financing, having to basically do everything yourself. So I, th- there's a lot of small things. I, <laughs> but there's a lot of small things that build up to to becoming uh, problematic when they all when you have to face them all together at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it can be. It, it's hard. Yeah. I, I hope that answered the question well. Oh yeah, of course. What uh, now? What inspired you when you were younger? say hey this is it this is what i want to do for the rest of my life well uh totally uh absolutely a long story i'll do the shortest version of it i can um i remember very distinctly uh there was a, a haunted house and i think it was called american horrors in phoenix in the late 80s early 90s and uh, my parents went and they took me and my brother and uh, i only remember two three things from it. the first is right when we walked in all these, all these teenagers were in front of us screaming and shouting. They're just so terrified. And you look dead ahead, and there was an actor, Jason Voorhees. And I was four, four or five years old. I was little. And I had my uh, cheap Walmart Jason mask on my head, you know, pulled up so I could see everything. And uh, Jason looked up. All these kids are screaming, and he stops. And maybe it's because I was a kid. Maybe it's because I was running with the Jason mask. And instantly right there, I was like, oh, I love Jason Voorhees. But at the end of the haunted house and like completely not related to the beginning, uh, there's so many other things in it, but these were the, the, the biggest parts of the haunted house. Um, Freddy Krueger jumps out and he's your last scare. And, <laughs> and, and I remember I was like, like that just scared the hell out of me. Um, a couple of years later, uh, my brother and I were watching uh, TV at my grandma's house late at night and they were doing uh, silver bullet. They were playing silver bullet and it was playing on a local TV uh, network and the commercial were cutting to uh, this thing called Old Tucson Studios Nightfall, which is mm-hmm. uh, like another haunted mm-hmm. house. And it was they were that camera showing the, the the scary story play that they were doing. And it was this old time marshal, this you know eighteen hundreds marshal taking on a town of the undead. And so it's going from Silver Bullet to this uh, zombie gunfight and back to Silver Bullet. And I kind of kind of horror a little bit as I got older. Um, you know, like turned into a teenager and stuff. 
I got really into like professional wrestling and mixed martial arts, and I decided I was an MMA fighter. Uh, and uh, that went really well. I uh, ended up getting sponsored by uh, the same company at the time that was sponsored from Bo Slice, a company called Triumph United. They were really cool, would send us free gear and stuff. And I was I was good at it. I was good at uh, getting into fistfights, I guess. But it, it came down to home one day, and I was like 22. And I, I was talking to my parents, and I was training that day, and I had uh, like a eye. Uh, it was bruised. That guy, this tiny little dot. And my mom just about broke down. She started crying, telling me that I, I, I couldn't do this. I was too smart for this and all the, you know, the stuff a mom would say. And my, my dad kind of reiterated the sentiment and told me, well, maybe you should give something else a try. Like, uh, you like, you like movies. Uh, you liked scary movies a lot, uh, when you were younger. So maybe make a short film. And I was like, eh. I don't really want to. Hugh was an actor uh, in the 80s. Uh, nothing huge, you know, just smaller parts here and there. Uh, he worked with Dennis Hopper and guys like that. So it's kind of, he was offering me kind of the torch, you know, carry on, carry it on, in, in my opinion. And right. uh, I ended up taking his advice just to, you know, it, it's my dad and, and my mom. And I, I wrote, I said, oh, I got really sick. Uh, I had like pneumonia and ended up watching uh, Hatchet one day. And uh, I watched the special features. And it was the first time in my life I'd ever watched a special feature of anything. And Adam Green, basically, he's, he's, I went out, filmed on this on this swamp with a camera I rented with my friends. And I, you know, one of my friends' little girls do. And that's how we made our movie. You know, it got noticed and people started offering us money. And, and I was like, well, it's that simple. So I called up my, my friend, Chris. He, uh, he's like, yeah, I'd love to make a movie. Let's do it. So we sat down one night when I got a little bit better and we watched a couple more, a couple more movies, a couple more making ofs, and we decided we could do it. So we wrote a short script called The Hog and it took us maybe three weeks to film it. It was only about 15 pages long. Uh, we've never done anything, so it took us a long time. In retrospect, that's incredibly long, but we ended up doing it. Got a, got a couple people, got my, my uncle involved and stuff. We wrote it and wrote it together, directed it together, and he edited it and... Uh, Twitter had just gotten really big at that point. I had just got a Twitter account. like, oh, this is how you do it. You know, you share it and people notice and they'll share it. And then they'll just offer you money to turn this into a feature film. So that's not how it happens. Let's stop right there. That, yeah. That's not. <laughs> you have a Twitter account. You share your movie. Somebody tells you it's awful and you should kill yourself. Uh, something I've actually got. And But that's, that's the way the Internet society is. Yeah. Um, a lot of people liked it. And as you know, I got a little more... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I believe more, I suppose. I ended up sending it to Lloyd Kaufman from Trauma Films. And nice. Lloyd wrote nice. me back, and he, right where everybody could see it, he retweeted it with a comment so everybody could see it. And he goes, this is the best first attempt at film I've ever seen. Aww. And at that moment, I was like, oh, this for the rest of my life because Lloyd Kaufman said it's it's good. So, <laughs> so 2010 <laughs> is about when that happened. Um, just, just around. So I've got, now at this point... <clears throat> 2020 will be 10 years of me making movies and I'm now in production on my third feature. So yeah. So I guess that answers the question. I, it, horror has always been a thing, but the movie making didn't come until, until later in life. I was about, yeah, about 22, 23 years old. Yeah. All right. Vane, back to you. Wow. <laughs> I feel like we're in a tennis match. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, uh, what's your process when you're writing? Do you just write it all at once in like a few minutes or, or what's the process? 
So um, I think about it. Uh, I get the initial idea. And I refuse to write anything down because um, the process will grow. And I'll talk to friends and I'll talk to family. And I'll be like, this is my new idea. This is my new thought. And so say something or I will hear something or I will rethink something completely. And uh, it usually takes about two to three weeks of thinking about it. Um, and then I sit down and I just write. And uh, it's not the easiest process in the world. I mm. There was like more to me setting up for it because it, it is hard to go back and think about, oh, what, what was this thought? Uh, and I probably should start writing, on, but I, I don't. Um, but it, it, I'll sit down, uh, I'll end up writing and I'll do my best to write, uh, six to 12 pages, uh, writing session. And, uh, I have to, I have to do it late at night because uh, I have a little girl and she, uh, she takes up the majority of my day when I'm not at work. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to, you know, interfere with that. So I wait for just it to be me and I will turn on, uh, music. Uh, it can't be lyric music. I'll start listening to the lyrics, and I'm like, oh, oh time to sing along. And but, so it has to. <laughs> it's usually like uh, movie scores or things like that. Uh, right now, um, Fangoria just released a Hollywood Doom or Holly Doom. That's what it's called, Holly Doom uh, mm-hmm. synth score. And, right. Corn uh, Hardy's on it and stuff. And that's what I, that's what I'm listening to right now. Uh, and I'll write uh, six, twelve pages usually. Uh, and that's not the number I aim for. It's just usually before I look at the clock and it's three in the morning and I'm like, Oh, I've worked in a couple of hours. Time to go to bed. But yeah, oh, it's about six usually. Um, and I do go back and I, I rewrite it. Um, and that's usually, usually the thing is I, I will go back and rewrite it a couple of times before somebody sees it. Um, I usually an actual be like, Oh, you know, do you have to rewrite this or do you have to add? And I'm like, no, it's, it's good where, where it is right now. Usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I don't feel like I can go back and rewrite it, if something is, is sticking out and it just it feels too uh, overwhelming, I'll mm-hmm. send it to my friend Chris in North Carolina. That's where he lives now uh, to help me film the hog. Uh, I'll send it to him and he will do edits and suggestions and he'll send it back to me. And so the writing process for me takes uh, maybe a month or two. I feel that's pretty long. Like Sylvester Sloan writing Rocky. Took him th- <laughs> I, wish, <laughs> I wish I could do that. <laughs> Oh boy, because I usually, I have weird dreams, like Mm -hmm. really weird, bizarre. It's like something you would be dreaming if you were on acid all the time, but I'm not. (laughs) So so I usually usually pull from that and I end up writing notes, but then uh, around here things get thrown away. So (laughs) so it's my problem. I'm afraid I would. I would just lose it. I wouldn't even throw it away. I'd just lose it. And I'd be like, where's that? Where's that paper with all my notes? I don't remember any of this because I wrote it all down. That's yeah. So I don't. Yeah. I have notebooks and, and small notebooks of notes, but somehow they get lost or thrown away. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> okay. So how do you get a, a film project together? I mean, what does it take? Let's, let's talk about that. What, what do you do to get it put together uh, yeah, yeah there's a lot that goes into it so it starts with me with uh, the, the writing once i write it i will uh i have a few different producers myself um not all of them are financial producers uh when people hear the word producer they immediately think oh that's money uh some versions of producers are money uh but you're producers blind producers and they'll do different jobs and so i will then move to a producer and usually two of them and we will begin to discuss uh, who we have in mind uh, if we don't have an actor on the radar, then we will kind of outsource from our, our usual group of people. Um, <clears throat> from there, it moves into, because I'm 
I also cast these things. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of like the casting agent, I guess, too. So me and the producer for the casting will cast. As we cast, we'll begin to pick up props throughout the process, um, usually with the most expensive prop first. So everything after that scene is just really because you're not spending that much money now. Um, because I don't know if you know, if you if you happen to have one of these uh, silicone masks from like Immortal, but they uh, they're starting is about $500 a piece. That's oh yes. How, how they come standard. Yes. If you want $500, you know, well, yeah. So usually our, our monster, and I guess that's not technically a prop to some, but our monster comes next as we cast. And then we move into location scouting uh, and then filming. And now most recently, cause I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real filmmaker. So everything's kind of on the spot, on the fly. I tell them what to do as we're out there. I'm like, you know, move this way. The camera will rotate around you. But my, <clears throat> my cameraman for the last, Oh, four years, two years, something like that. I'm, it's been a long time. Like for the 80th time recently, he's like, hey, storyboard, please, please storyboard, please storyboard, or I'm not going to do this. And I was like, okay, fine. So now I'm storyboarding. So uh, a lot goes into it. It's just you have to make sure you have the time. And, uh, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dwayne Johnson both say the, the, the so much time in your day that, you have time for everything. It's not about, I don't have the time. It's about what you consider worthy of your time because most of us are awake at least 12 hours a day, but the majority of us only work, you know, six to eight of those hours. And mm-hmm. then we go home and we watch TV and go to sleep. So, but like right. uh, an average day for me starts at 6am, wake up, I'll go to the gym, I'll go to work, I'll come home. I'll write. Will I will film. And you know, it's, it's just a whole, basically I'm, I'm always going until, until I, I lay down and go to sleep. It, it, it's a whole it's a whole long process. a lot goes into it um i guess by finding finance is usually a thing uh, i have yes. a, i have a producer uh that is usually pretty good to go or i will have a set of producers that are usually just ready to go they tell me you know i can put in this much money i can put in this much money and that happens right right around the same time as you start casting at least for me um we start going into you know the the, the finances of it um and yeah, that does happen right around. Can find out who you can get and who you can't get. <laughs> so yeah, big, big long process. Wow. So uh, for casting, like, what do you? Who do you go to, or or what do you do for that? I uh, <clears throat> I'm lucky because I work with, and so I can go to them and say, Hey, does this interest you? They're always first up on the slate. They always get first shot of that because, and it's very uh, uh, Rob Zombie of me it's very john carpenter of me mm-hmm. uh because they all work with the same people you know yeah how many right. times was soul in a john carpenter film how many times is Teg or bill mosley in a rob zombie film and that also creates a little bit of a comfortability because mm-hmm. they know what i want i know what they can do but they the the, the guys that i work with always get first shot at roles and then i will the problem there though is that reenacting a world famous event it is only the care involved. so i don't work with any female actors so I always have to outsource for that. And oh. in a small town in, in almost Mexico, it, mm-hmm. it's hard. Um, mm-hmm. So you basically have to do the, 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 you just, you have to find them and it, it you'll be out getting dinner and you'll be at the drive through window and they'll lean in and the way they react with me, the way they will, you know, talk to their coworkers, if you ever wanted to be in a movie and they're like oh yeah and sometimes it works out really well and they get money and it, they take on acting and sometimes it doesn't work well and it's a terrible experience for everybody involved but <laughs> it, it's hard. And sometimes you'll put out a casting call for people up in tucson phoenix and that's uh an hour and a half away 
Phoenix is two and a half hours away, almost three hours away. And that becomes problematic because that's them taking off an entire day at work because actors out here still have day jobs. They take off an entire day at work and they drive so far and they film so late at night and they have to either drive back or you have to pay for a hotel. So it, it's hard finding actors down here. That is, mm-hmm. that is, that is the problem. It, specifically, I suppose it's hard finding female actors. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, do you also do your own uh, FX and makeup and everything? Or do you yeah, have someone so, who does that? Well, I have somebody in-house that, that does it for me. Um, uh, so I did earlier, my dad did uh, some filmmaking or some uh, movie starring, I guess, I don't know how you say it. He did some acting. There you go. There you go. <laughs> did some acting. And uh, they told him uh, right as his career was starting to take off, they're like, we're going to have to move to California. And that's not what he wanted to do. So he said, no. So he got involved with special, and same thing happened. They eventually told him, you're going to have to move to California. He's like, no, I'm good. Became an engineer. Um, So anyway, (laughs) he does it, the majority. But as he gets uh, older, this is what he tells me. I don't don't believe a word of it. But as he gets older, he he doesn't want to mess it up. He doesn't want to, you know, one time, and it's a story. One time we're working with an actress, putting a prosthetic appliance on her, and uh, the big prop process with makeup is you have to almost sit completely still the entire time and he had, he had told her a couple times he's like hey you know sit still and she i watched a bit of a wiggle bug and as he was uh, applying the bridge of the nose uh she was wiggling too much and it caused the liquid to drip down onto her eye. and uh as that point he cleaned it off and he got done with makeup and he, he looked me in the face he's like yeah i'm getting told to do this like uh she could have got hurt he's like i don't want to do this anymore uh but he's I've got him back into it a little bit, but uh, I'm working with a guy uh, right now. Um, said said uh, the movie he's working on with me most recently uh, hasn't seen the light of day. May not see the light of day uh, just because <clears throat> editors. I want to say it, but there it is. Trust <laughs> the wrong people and sit on it forever. But uh, is a, a movie called Zoomer, and uh, and there was uh, he had created a, a beautiful uh, many beautiful special effects for us in it. Um, but it was a uh, he. His name's Charles Hines. If anybody's listening that also makes independent film, find Charles Hines. Pay him a lot of money to do your special effects work because he is good. He's very smart, thinks outside the box, and he does some stuff I, I haven't seen before. And then uh, right now, uh, uh, my my girlfriend is getting into makeup uh, effects now, too. So I, I'm creating my own little makeup team, actually, so... Nice. Hopefully some big things will be coming. And there you could get more money that way, outsourcing to do makeup jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Matt, back to you. (laughs) Well, I mean, um, you got anything else, Bane? No, other than uh, anything uh, that is coming. Is there anything coming out that we'll be seeing soon? Um, I would say that Fireside Tales 2 will probably be out. uh, It'll be done this summer, uh, before summertime, hopefully, actually. And then it will probably be releasing in October. Oh. Uh, but we're, we're, we're very excited. Uh, I don't want to give too much away outside of Fireside Tales 2. Um, but we're our next projects uh, deal really and very specifically with uh, the uh, the classic uh, Universal Monsters. So that, oh, nice. yeah, outside of Fireside Tales 2, we're, we want to kind of do a big throwback. My next row of feature films are just going to be just going to be classic monsters oh nice well, i guess in that thing then we do the uh, traditional final question here and just tell everybody where they can find you 
Oh, yeah, sure. Um, you can find me on Catch Me Kill Me, Instagram at Catch Me Kill Me, and Facebook is Catch Me Kill Me Productions. All right. Oh, thank you so much, Ian. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And we've been talking to Ian Messenger from Catch Me Kill Me Productions. Soon to come out, Fireside Tales 2. And we will let you know as soon as we know.
It's got a death curse. It'll never come back again. Tonight is the fourth anniversary of Lights Out. After four years of fantasy and imagination, chills and thrills, Lights Out celebrates by bringing to the microphone the internationally known actor whose name has become synonymous with the unusual and fantastic. The National Broadcasting Company takes pleasure in presenting Boris Karloff in the first of a special series of Lights Out broadcasts. Lights Out, everybody. Tonight, Lights Out presents another psychological drama, a play in which the principal part is taken not by the character himself, but his thoughts. The voice you are about to hear is that of the thoughts of one Daryl Hall, accused murderer, sitting in a courtroom awaiting the return of a jury, which is to decide whether he is to live or die. And as he waits, the thoughts in his mind seethe and swirl, Seethe and swirl. Seethe and swirl. Not guilty. Guilty. Not guilty. Guilty. Father in heaven, why don't I stop thinking those words? Words those jurymen are saying. He's guilty. He's not guilty. He's guilty. Not guilty. Guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. guilty. No, no, I've got to stop thinking of what's going on in that room. The jurymen. I've got to stop thinking of them. Got to keep my head clear. I've got to figure things out. When did all this start? Yes, I remember. That night, Wayne and I were sitting in my room talking about dreams. I remember he said, "Oh, come on, Daryl. Don't expect me to believe that one." Well, I'm certainly telling you the truth. A fellow with your imagination wasting his time teaching biology to a bunch of co-ed nitwits. No, sir, you should be writing fiction. <laughs> I assure you, my dear Wayne, I've told you the truth. You're really serious? Of course I am. You actually mean that in all your life you've never had a dream? Never. Not even when you were a child? To my knowledge, I've never had a dream in all my life. Well, how do you like that? <laughs> I like it very well. <laughs> I close my eyes, oblivion, and then I wake up. No nightmare hangovers for me, Peggy. Now, uh, now, wait a minute, Daryl. Let me get this straight. You mean you've never even had a dream after, uh, you know, eating a Welsh rare bit at midnight or surrounding a dozen green apples or anything like that? <laughs> Believe me, Wade. I've never had a dream of any shape, form, or description in all my life. A dream to me is just a word. Something that happens to other people but not to me. But everyone must dream. Well, perhaps. But it just so happens that my subconscious doesn't work that way. I tell you again, I have never dreamt. Well, what do you know about that? Just unbelievable, I tell you. Unbelievable. Yes, that's what he said. Unbelievable. 
It was unbelievable that I'd never dreamt. Then after a while he went away and left me there. It was early evening. But I remember that somehow, strangely, I was very tired. I sat down in the easy chair. Oh, I was so tired. I closed my eyes. I slept. And then, then it happened. A strange murmuring in my head. Yes, that's how it started. A murmuring as if in warning. And then in, in the darkness around me, strange faces lifting and falling. White faces, faces without hope, their eyes full of horror. Their white, bloodless lips pleading wordlessly in a way that made the heart in me cry out in pity. And suddenly, I knew I was asleep and dreaming. Yes, dreaming for the first time in my life. And these faces I was seeing were things out of a dream. And even as I knew that, the dream was gone. Blackness. And yet I knew that I was still asleep. And I had a terrible feeling of foreboding of a horror to come in that dream. What? How? I didn't know. But I wanted to stop sleeping. I wanted to open my eyes quickly before. And then I saw her moving slowly toward me out of the darkness that was my dream. At first, a white wraith-like thing. And then I saw it was a woman. Yes, the body of a woman, but the face. Father in heaven, that face. Gross, unclean, thick, bestial brows, wrinkles of venery, the lecherous writhing of thin crimson lips that lifted from teeth, bite and pointed, and flecked with blood. Yes, a glorious body, and a face from hell. Closer, closer to me. And then she spoke one word. Kill. Yes, that's what she said. Kill. And as she said it, she moved closer. Her hands went out, her eyes in my dream, I screamed. I awoke. I remember, just at that second, the clock on the mantel began... Striking. Five, six, seven. Thankfully, I counted each chime, since the hearing of it meant that I was awake, awake out of the horror of that dream. When the clock had stopped chiming, I sat there. My one thought was, if this be dreaming, let me never dream again. was that I sat still afraid to move. And then I laughed. It was my own heart. My own heart still pounding with fright at what I'd seen in my first dream. Oh, why do I sit here thinking of what has been? The jury in there, they've got to hang me. Free him. They've got to hang me. You'll see. 
No, no, I mustn't think of them. Better to keep my thoughts on how it all started. Better to figure things out. Where was I? Ah, yes. Sitting there, listening to the beating of my heart. Thinking of the horror of that dream. And then, suddenly, that strange, wordless murmur I had heard in my dream was whispering in my head again. Quickly as it began, it was gone. How could this be? I was awake. Awake. This was no dream. Then why had I heard that wordless entreaty? That same sound that had come from those miserable white faces that had floated before me while I slept. Why? Why? I heard it. Sound behind me. Who? Why, yes, my friend Wayne. Must be he. Come back into the room, standing behind my chair, thinking I was asleep. I turned round and said, Wayne, is that you? Yes. I screamed. I screamed so loudly there was blood in my throat. For it was she again. That woman. That woman out of my dream. But this wasn't a dream. She was standing there, I tell you. She was standing there close to me, looking at me. And those lips out of hell said that one word. You. I jumped to my feet. No one in the room. No one, I tell you. I remember standing there. My head reeling. Who was she? Where did she come from? But there was no one in the room. Had there been anyone there? I didn't sleep that night. But by morning, yes, by morning, I had it all figured out. Two dreams. That's what it had been. And the second had been more vivid than the first. Why, of course. I'd never dreamed before. So, of course, my first dreams would seem reality. How easy it was to quiet the unrest in my mind. Easy to make oneself believe what one wants to believe. And yet, some measure of uncertainty remained with me. And Mary saw it in my face when I had dinner with her that night. Daryl, do you mind if I ask you something? What, what a question. Of course not. Is there something wrong? You mean with the dinner? Well, you know, this is my favorite restaurant. With you, dear. Has something gone wrong at the university? Why do you ask that? The worry in your eyes. Oh. What is it, dear? Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing important. You've changed your mind about loving me? Mary. Then tell me what it is, please. All right. It's really nothing to concern yourself over. Just a... a dream. Dream? Daryl, you dreamed. Yes, last night. How marvelous. Now you're normal even when you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, isn't it? I'm back to normal, dear. <laughs> and here I thought from the expression on your face that it was something really important. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, isn't it? And I suppose in your first dream you dreamt of a <laughs> glorious, seductive woman. No, Mary. Ah, did you have a nightmare? If you don't mind, let's... Let's not talk about it anymore. Shall we have our dessert now? Now, 
I suggest the hot green apple pie with cheese. Daryl, was it as bad as all that? Horrible. Oh, that's cruel. Your very first dream, an unhappy one. Oh, well, I'm sure that if you dream again, you've more interesting times ahead. Oh, Daryl, look at the time. A minute to seven, and we promised the Armstrongs we'd pick them up at 7.15. Daryl, what is it? Your face. Do you hear it? Hear what? You do hear it, don't you? The voices. Voices? Daryl, what are you talking about? Well, the people in this restaurant are most well-behaved. Gone. Just the way it was before. Daryl, please, if this is a joke, please tell it to me. <gasps> Daryl, what is it? What are you staring at? What's behind my chair? What's there, Daryl? Tell me what oh! Daryl, the table. Why did you throw over the table? Daryl, what is it? What is it? wanted to know why I had done it. Screamed, thrown over the table. They all wanted to know. But how could I tell them, tell them of her, standing behind Mary's chair, that thing of degradation, and those lips saying, kill. I went home. Mary thought I was overworked. Oh, no, darling, you've been working so hard. Go home and rest, dear. That's all you need, rest. Rest, rest. What good was rest? I had to reason things out. All my life I'd lived with reason, and now this, this horror. I had to know all about it. Now, I was certain it was no dream. What I had seen there in the restaurant had been no thing of sleep. Hallucination. Yes, that was it. I had been working hard. Too much work was the answer. And rest would cure that. Yes, indeed. And so I rested through the next day. It was quite dark when I awoke. The phone rang. It was Mary calling to find out how I felt. Are you sure you're... Looking away the seconds. Would it happen again, this hallucination of mine? I waited. I heard no pitiful murmur of voices. Just quiet. Dark in the room. I could see the shadowy emptiness of a chair near the other wall. And then the chair was no longer empty. There was someone in it. I said, Who's there? Answer me, who's there? No answer. The strange darkness in the room. Deeper and deeper, I could see nothing. And then two swirling pools of flame led right. Closer and closer. I stood there. I couldn't move. rumbling began in my brain. Fear, I tell you. Fear tearing up my brain louder and louder while those red circles of light came closer and closer. Father in heaven, what was it? What? And then I knew it was her eyes. Her eyes burning close into mine, into the brain of me, pounding one thought into me. Why should I kill? Why should I kill? If I had known then. The jury. They're coming back. The verdict. What? No. Not yet. Still out. 
Oh, they've got to find me guilty. I've got to hang. I've got to. If I live... Oh, but I mustn't think of that. I must think of what happened. Where was I? Ah, yes. That, that woman. Her eyes pounding that word into me and then... Gone again. But this was no dream. Then what? A voice within me whispered... Crazy, crazy, crazy. No, I was saving. That horror was real, real as the breath in me. And with that realization, the coldness as of a wind blew around me and clutched at my heart. For if she was reality, somehow I knew that I was lost. And so it began. Night after night, the stroke of seven... First, that wailing dirge of those lost souls. And then her writhing lips. Kill, 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 kill. Father in heaven, the words began pounding in my head so that even when she wasn't there, I heard them. I hid in my room. I didn't go out. People would see this madness that had come over me. I went nowhere. And soon I knew that they were talking of me. I tell you, I my don't friend. know what's come over, Daryl. Hides in his rooms, won't even talk to me. Something's wrong there. And Mary. Please, Daryl, you've got to let me see you. This talking over the phone, oh, darling, what's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, night after night, the horror of... And the greater horror of... talk to you. Come over to my house tonight. Oh, please, Daryl. Perhaps I can help you. Please, darling, please. I didn't want to go, but I went that night. Perhaps she could help. Yes. Help me understand the madness of those wailing voices and drifting white faces. Understand the horror of that woman and that maddening word. Mary, so understanding, so gentle. She could help me clear my head of the madness. Oh, Daryl, you're here at last. Help me. You will help me. Oh, Daryl, your face so white. Oh, I... Don't talk yet. Sit here and rest. I'm sane, Mary. Believe me, I'm sane. Of course, dearest. Of course you are. That madness outside of me. Those white, drifting faces moaning at Rest, me. darling. And that woman out of hell. Woman? Her eyes and lips telling me to... What time is it? It's seven. <gasps> Daryl, what is it? I've lost track. I've got to get out of here. Daryl, don't. Wait. Don't go. Too late. Daryl, what is it? Too late. Late. You hear them, don't you, Mary? I'll go call a doctor. Listen to them. Their voices are so loud tonight. Listen, Mary. Daryl, don't. There's no one here. You hear them? You must hear them. What are they saying? Louder and louder, trying to tell me something. What are you saying, you out there? What are you telling me? Daryl, stop. Voices gone. Now she'll be here. Oh, Daryl, please, you're frightening me. Kill, 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 kill. You hear her, Mary? 
you hear her? No, no, dear, please. Louder and louder and louder. I hear her. again. But it was broad daylight. I'd never heard those voices in daylight before. What did they want of me? What were they saying? There was a strangeness in their pitiful voices. Yes, like, yes, like a dirge, a dirge of tears and sorrow for someone. For me, yes, for me. And then, her voice, laughing, laughing, triumphant. And I understood. For the first time, I understood everything. She had triumphed over me. That was why those lost souls were waving a dirge over me. I was hers. Hers forever. I turned and ran out of there like a madman. Ran, ran. And as I ran, those voices of the damned were talking to me. One hope. If I paid Sasadi for my crime, she would fail. 
I will be free of her, that thing, that essence of evil, that siren who called men to murder so that their souls will be slaves to her for all eternity. Yes, yes, I pay for my crime. I ran on, on, back to Mary's house. Yes, I paid gladly with my life to have the peace of the rest of oblivion. I went back into the house. Yes, Mary was lying there, cold. I lifted her. Those same hands that had crushed the life out of her lifted her and carried her out into the sun. My eyes were so filled with tears that I could hardly see where I walked. People began milling about me. He's got a woman in his arms. Well, where's he carrying her? She must have fainted. No, look, yeah. she's dead. What? Huh? Who killed her? Huh? Hey, mister. Hey, mister, who killed her? I did. Who killed her? I killed her. With my own hands, I killed her. And please, I want to die for this. Hey, And then the trial. My friends, they wanted to save me. Clever eternities, sanity commissions and twists of the law. But I wanted to die, I tell you, I had to die. If they set me free, if I lived and died as most men die, the death they call a natural one, then she would have me. No, no, I want to hang by the neck until dead. I want that noose around my neck. The trap beneath my feet, the jailer pulled the switch. My feet dancing in air. The noose strangling me as my hands strangle Mary. Pay for my crime and I'll be free. Free of that horror with the writhing lips and blood-stained teeth. All in the court. All in the court. The jury. They're coming in. Got to find me. Gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. Guilty. The clerk of the court will read the verdict, please. Guilty. The jury, find the defendant guilty of murder in the first degree. Oh, guilty. 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 looking at the devil himself. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard the first play in a special series commemorating the fourth anniversary of Lights Out and starring Boris Karloff. <laughs>
You've sucked out her brains? Yeah. Right through her mouth. Is she dead? Of course she's dead. What are you kidding? And that wraps up another episode of EMZT Radio. Thank you to Ian Messenger for coming on and talking to us. Absolutely. All right. Before we go, we got a few couple more stories to get to. Okay. I got something for you. We need to we need to hop on out to California. Okay. California has a place called Dark Delicacies. Oh, yes. That's my favorite store I've been dying That's to right. go to. It's now celebrating. It's going to be celebrating its 15 or 25th year. Of, mm-hmm. I, good Lord. I, I see the date 1994. And yeah. I'm like, oh, 15 years. No. No. Longer. Longer. Five <laughs> years. I am getting old. I'm so older. Is, yeah, this is their twenty-fifth <laughs> year, and it's an all horror independent book and gift store. Yeah. So we definitely need uh to get, but, get these people over. Now, um they are having some financial troubles and at the yeah. moment. Yeah, because uh, they had a big rent hike that yeah. they can't afford. So they're in the process of looking for a new space. And uh, Dell posted that he thinks he found a spot that's uh, within their price range. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, just, it's just down the block from where they are. Right. Yeah. And yeah. there is a GoFundMe, which yes. there will be a link in the show notes to. We'll which, be giving to this. I'm giving a little, I can only give a little bit, but I will still hey. give to this. Yes. Hey, it's almost there. Yeah. You know, oh. it, it, as, as, as we speak, they're within $5,000 of the goal. Yeah. So they are, they're there. Let's give it to them, people. Let's yeah. give, pitch in. If you don't support anything for the rest of the year, pitch in to help independent horror. Just one yeah. time in your life. Yes. Um, this is a total worthy cause because they are basically an epicenter for horror. Absolutely. One day, one day I would love to do an EMZT podcast from this, from this place. Oh, fuck. Yes. Um, I really would. That um, is a dream goal. Yes. 450 horror fans have come together to raise $25,000 of the fund as of the time we were recording this. Oh. That's just short of the $30,000 goal. Oh, my God. People make this happen. See, that's the horror community coming together to take Absolutely. care of one of their own. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So, folks, make it happen. Make it happen. Make it happen. Make it happen. It's on our Facebook page. It is on. Is in the show notes. Do it. Help out Dark Delicacies. And that store is awesome. They do uh, book signings, and they also mm-hmm. get... Uh, people from like actors and directors and writers to go down for um, like celebrity meet and greet. And if they're uh, have their movies, their autograph, they have autograph sessions, picture sessions. They do this. uh, They try to do it on a a weekly or a monthly basis where they get uh, members of the horror community to come out and meet the people. Absolutely. Yeah. I really like that. So, folks, let's let them see their 25th anniversary, okay? Yeah. Get out there, get out there, and and do what you can for for these wonderful, 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 wonderful people that and absolute horror fans. In fact, Dell had mentioned that uh, they haven't made they made only a little bit of money off this because it's their dream job to do. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And finally, um, oh, this is this is something else that we're going to link to in the show notes. We're also going to link to on the Facebook page. We're going to link to everywhere we can find it. I have actually seen the first episode of this. Of? And this is amazing. If you are looking for something creepy to binge, go check out Hellier. What? Kentucky, yes. Kentucky Goblins documentary series called Hellier is free. And I guarantee oh. you, folks, I'm telling you right now, this shit will hook you. Oh. It's a five-part documentary series that is out to uncover a true story. Or if, if a story is true, it follows an investigation into unsolved mysteries impossible synchronicities and a web of high strangeness which stretches from the heart of Appalachian coal country. Ooh. So episode one is out for Hellier. You need to check this. Actually, all five episodes are out. So you know what you're doing this weekend. Just just cancel all your plans for the weekend and just binge the shit out of this. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to tell you right now. You'll love it. We all love it. Let's, you know, binge binge the living shit out of this. Mmm, sounds good. So, I guess that that's just about it, isn't it? Uh, please check out our links. Buy our t-shirts. <laughs> they also have very nice hoodies. They we have, have nice pictures. Hoodies. Yes, they have nice hoodies. And we, we like our nice- hoodies. We like our hoodies. Mr. UK took it to the UK. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we're going to be getting some more sales because people just love our hoodie. Yeah, Woo! hoodies. Come, go buy a hoodie. Because, my God, it's cold outside. It's freaking cold. Actually, it's not cold today when we're recording our our stuff. But it's been like bone-chillingly cold. I could have used one of them. It's. 59 degrees right in Arizona. Well, at least it's my part cold. of Arizona. It's colder here. so. Well, I believe it, yes. Yeah, it's like 55, 56, something like yeah. that. But we just got out of the 20s <laughs> over the weekend. Damn. I swear to you, man, over the weekend, it, it just, it just, it went, literally went from 75 degrees to 20. Jesus. Yeah. Mother Nature went, oh, y'all thought y'all were done with winter. No. Nope. Watch this. Yeah. Oh. Uh. And uh, do check out all our links for all our friends, the uh, our band friends, all our filmmaking friends, all our artistic friends. Check out their stuff. Buy their gear. Buy their yeah. merch. Buy their shit. Buy their stuff. Yeah. Remember, your shit is stuff. Their stuff is <laughs> shit. There you go. <laughs> George Carlin for you. A little George Carlin right there, folks. <laughs> Isn't it funny that your shit is stuff and their stuff is shit? <laughs> Thank you, George. <laughs> yes, always. The Church of Carlin will always remember their patron saint. <laughs> and stay tuned for another episode of EMZT Radio. Fried chicken. They're not like the Loch Ness Monster, Dean. Dragons aren't real. <laughs> <laughs>